Sex and health. Reproduction and health. Youth and health. All combinations often not focused on, especially now in South African context. But here at Ubushabami, Futsi youth, sexual and reproductive health is our focus. We'll talk about experiences, reflect on fresh new articles from our website, and discover ways of how to navigate sexual and reproductive health in the South African context and abroad. Danko! Danko Mpilo, Danko Life. <laughs> is in such a tough time so due to covid restrictions and covid issues unfortunately kavonina and myself couldn't meet up so i'll be doing this podcast on my own and we are pretty much going to be looking at the statistics that we spoke about so i'm just gonna go into it after my little intro your papa <laughs> it was a bit too much i must agree um nevertheless i think let's get to the nitty-gritty first and foremost so which army decided to conduct a survey um, this was between May, July, and this survey pretty much was to help us also direct what type of content you guys would like on the Ubushami page, but mainly also to get a feel of what do, do young people in 2021 think about sexual and reproductive health, and if they even understand the concept of what's going on. Um, so we got your results. And as you could see from our slideshow when I um, sort of presented the results, you were heard loud and clear. And we just want to thank everybody who participated, even those who thought about participating but didn't. I mean, the exposure and just to even get 44 respondents is a big thing for us. And thank you so much for all the support. Um, one really, truly appreciates people taking their time to pay attention to a conversation that many people take for granted or think is a conversation that is common sense. But the more you engage with concepts that you deem common sense you actually realize there's much to still be learned and there's still much that is evolving so the lessons and the learning is never ending and that's why we choose to continue having this conversation especially with young people as young people so let's get to the results awesome so question one so i'm just going to go through what was there on the survey and what people said and just some of the highlights um of this juicy 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 survey results i really really enjoyed it i enjoy stats and i really enjoyed seeing the 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 you know it's sort of like you assume certain things, but when you put it to a survey, you get actual data. And these are actual people's voices and opinions about things. So it's very interesting to get such um, great data. So the first question was, we just wanted some demographics. So I'm just going to go through the demographics. So we had 44 respondents to our survey. We had 11 males. We had um, 33 females. And we had one person who chose not to sort of reveal who they were or said they preferred not to say. Um, and that sort of seems like it's 45 respondents, but yeah. And then age, the age group, our second question was what type of age group or how old you are. And roughly we got 59% of people who were 26 to 35. We got um, 25% of people who were 19 to 25 and then got 13.6% um, of people who were 16 to 18. And then 
between the extreme ranges those who are less than 16 we didn't get that many or didn't get any at all and for those older than 35 we got just a small little fraction and it wasn't even documented our third question was describe sex slash coitus in three words and pretty much these were the highlighting words that people came up with um when we made a word cloud out of it the words that we got when people said describe what sex and what coitus is we got penetration we got intimate we got fun we got um exploring we got sexual we got private we got love we got contact um we got genitals we got adventure we got exposure we got pleasure, we got euphoria, we got best, we got sad. Um, but the main big words were penetration, intimate and fun, which is very interesting for me because that can take a different spin. Um, to be intimate is something that I guess people treasure or people see as something that um, is you know, sort of sacred or is relational to each other. Whereas penetration can also be seen as something that can be violent or it can be something that's more technical. And then finally, fun. I was very grateful to see that this popped up because people should acknowledge that sex shouldn't be something that is seen as rigid. It is something that can be very pleasurable and something very fun to engage in. But like you've seen in all our chats, it's very important for us to also highlight that whenever you choose to engage in sex, as, as fun as it can be as an activity, there is consequences to every action. And not to damp it down and make it seem too serious, but I was glad to see that you did acknowledge that sex is also fun. Our fourth question was, what does sexual intimacy or intercourse mean to you? And we just highlighted it and grouped it into five main topics that came up. And these five topics were connection, intimacy, pleasure, live bond, and exchange. And I'm just going to read some of the quotes um, or some of the responses that we got from people. Um, under connection, the, the one response we got from anonymous, all of these are anonymous, was it means being in connection with another human being where they get to satisfy you in a way that no one else can. So the connection was what one person said sexual intimacy means to them. Intimacy and this is what Anonymous, Anonymous said. It means connection and pleasure with someone you're comfortable enough to be naked with and still have the heart to look at them after sex. Then there's pleasure. Pleasure, Anonymous said, it's secret adult fun. Which was interesting and naughty. <laughs> then we have lifelong bond. So Anonymous said, it means a lot. So in sexual intercourse or to them, and this is a response, it means a lot. It means soil, so, soil, it means, <laughs> it means soul tying with the person I had sex with. And it could also be a love language. Sexual intercourse is beautiful with the one right person for a lifetime. So someone linked this with a lifelong bond. Then finally, our last word was exchange. Someone expressed that what sexual intercourse means to them is reproduction, pleasure, release, human ties, human exchange, and currency, which is also an interesting yet a very relevant and true um, expression of what others associate sexual intercourse with.
Our fifth question was, how old were you when you first encountered the concept of sex? And the majority of people fell in the category or the age groups of 11 to 14 years old. So in your early teenage years, most people was when they encountered the concept of sex. And our two extreme polls go with, there was three people who said that they came into contact with the concept of sex as early as less than seven years old. And the other extreme poll is people started learning about it once they were 15 to 19 years old. Our sixth question was, how old were you when you first explored penetrative sex? And what we meant by that with penetrative sex is the definition of penetrative sex is um, mainly contact with genital um, organs um, and not just oral sex, but actual intercourse and penetration, um, if that makes sense. So our age ranges was 15 to 18 years old, had the most votes, um, and then followed by 19 to 23 years old, which was 12, which was 12 people identified with that. Um, and then we had 10 to 14 years old. And then we had four people who said 24 to 28 years old and one person who said when they were older than 28 was the first time they explored penetrative sex and then we had some six people who said it wasn't applicable to them yet um, and then two people who did not specify exactly which category they fell in in terms of the age group uh question seven was what qualities skills or tools do you think are needed before someone decides to engage in sexual intercourse. So our top five responses in summary was the topics of maturity, education, self-awareness, consent, and consequences. So in maturity, some anonymous wrote, I also think it is useful for someone to understand that sex is like a Pandora's box. There is more to it than it seems at first. So understand that you are going down a rabbit's hole is necessary. That understanding is necessary. And that was with maturity. And then the second major topic was education. And, anon and one um, anonymous person wrote, maturity, open-mindedness, sense of humor, contraceptive education, TOP education, STI education, 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 education are the skills and tools Anonymous felt were necessary for someone to decide if they want to engage in sexual intercourse. Then we had someone else on the third topic, which was self-awareness. And they said the power dynamics should be balanced so that everyone acts in their own best interest. So the skill of self-control is necessary. So knowing yourself and knowing what your limits are, um, and even understanding when you are being pushed around and when you desire something is very important. And that's what Anonymous was saying. Um, Self-awareness is very important when you make the decision of engaging in sexual intercourse. Then our fourth major topic was consent. And an Anonymous um, participant wrote, every girl should have sex only with a the person they know they can, they can deny consent to. Ooh, which is very important um, because 
it's it's also it brings out an element of safety that you should feel the need that even if you were to say sorry i don't consent to sex it wouldn't be an issue it wouldn't be a violent uproar nor would you be made to feel guilty for your choice and then another one still on the topic of consent it says if you have sex because you don't feel courageous enough to say no or because you let your body get the better of you, then you are not in control of the situation that borders on not being or giving sober consent. So once again, the consent issue is essential. You must understand and know when you have given consent and what is sober consent for you um, whenever you are deciding and engaging in sexual intercourse. These are the tools necessary to say, okay, I can make a sober decision to engage in sexual intercourse. And then finally, the last great topic was consequences. You need to be aware of the consequences of sex. Also, do research on orgasms. A good understanding of sex, being sober, being over 18. And the main point of this from the anonymous participant is the awareness of consequences of sex and general education on what happens um, with when you choose to engage in sex. Moving right along, um, question eight. Did your sexual experience have an impact on your physical health and mental health? And this was in a pie chart, and these were the percentages. We got 36, 38.6% of participants said no. Um, it didn't have a serious impact on their physical health or their mental health. 20.5% of participants said it wasn't applicable to them. This question wasn't applicable to them. But the mass majority, 40.9% of people said yes, sexual experience did have an impact on their physical health and mental health. And that's something to reflect upon, that it is not merely just an act of fun, of pleasure, um, but sexual experiences take up a lot of your being. They don't just affect where you are being touched, what is happening, but mentally you also engage. And in all those facets, you are engaging. So sex is not merely just an act, but it is a whole process that requires all of you. And 40% of participants agreed or um, gave testament of that. So question nine, did you use any contraceptive or protective device when you had sex? This was a very important question, especially because our aim for the study was to help us create more content and to also give us an idea of what are young people thinking about sex today. And I'm happy to see that the results have reflected that majority of people are aware that there are contraceptives and there are protective devices available whenever you engage in sex. We got 68.2% of participants who said yes, they did actually use contraceptives or protective devices. Um, unfortunately, we didn't get the breakdown of did they use a contraceptive and maybe not use a condom um, because you, you, you can't make a distinction or did they just use the condom but were never on a contraceptive. And that would have, would have added to our data. Nevertheless, then we got 13.6% of participants who still said, no, they didn't use nothing. Zippo, nada. <laughs> Y'all are risky, eh? And then we had 18.2% who said nada. Um, this question wasn't applicable to them. Then question 10. 
are you familiar with any laws, whether traditional, religious, or constitutional, that pertain to sexual intercourse and the products or results of sexual intercourse? This is very important to us to also ascertain, primarily because when we speak about sexual and reproductive health, and especially empowering young people to know that this is part of their rights, one of the big things is to understand that legally you're also supported um, to exercise your right to sexual and reproductive health. And once again, I want to emphasize that the rights to sexual and reproductive health, like any other right in South Africa, has a responsibility by the person who takes on ownership over the right. So when you say you have a right to sexual reproductive health, it means that if you do not go to a clinic and get the contraceptive you need, if you do not go and get the PrEP that you need, if you do not go and, you know, exercise your rights and request a TOP when you want it, you know, then when you give birth to a child, it is your responsibility to take care of the child because you have allowed um, the full process to go through and you did not exercise a particular right that you had, um, you know, legally had. Um, moreover, if then you contract a specific STI because you do not prevent ad um, adequately, then it is your responsibility to then follow through and get medication and to also inform other sexual partners of your current status so that they are also safe. Um, so this was very important for us to see what are young people thinking about in terms of the laws of the country? Are they aware of them? And these were the results. We got 61.4% of people who said yes, they are familiar with one of the laws, either traditional, religious or constitutional. We got 27.3% who said no, not familiar with any of them which is a shame. It would have been great to see that everyone knows at least one law. Then we had quite a few who said maybe they were unsure if they know any, maybe we should specify which laws they are. Some people who said they don't really understand the question and maybe it was a bit ambiguous. But maybe the next question will help us a bit. Our question 11 was, if you selected yes or maybe to the previous question, name one law pertaining to sexual intercourse. And these were the results. We got the majority of people were able to name or to identify in some sort of a way the statutory rape law. This is the criminal act law of um, Act 23 of 2007. And this is pretty much in summary. And by the way, check out our law series. Under the law series, there is an article on statutory rape. And it gives a clear step-by-step -step process of what is considered statutory rape and what is not considered um, and what the age ranges are. And in a nutshell, if you are less than 16 years old, you cannot consent to sex. And statutory rape pretty much means any person who has sex with a child, um, female or male, under the age of 16, if they are over the ages of 18, that is considered statutory rape and can be, um, you can be persecuted or prosecuted um, legally um, by either the person you had sex with or their family and will be considered as statutory rape. So most people were familiar with that law, which was great. Then the second one is, I'm assuming um, majority of us think it's in the Bible. Um, and it, it is in some form. And it was 11 people identified with no sex before marriage. And in the Bible, there is um, talk and chat about fornicators and how that is displeasing to the Lord. Um, and in other religions, I think the principle is still core that sex before marriage is not really looked 
um, is frowned upon in, in most religions. So people identified that as a religious law they are aware of. We had two people who said um, they are aware of the rape laws. And this the rape law is the criminal law Act 23 of 2007. So it's still part of where you find statutory rape. You also find most um, laws regarding to rape, what constitutes it as rape and what, um, you know, what you can classify as having been raped. Then we had three people who said they were aware of the T.O.P. Um, law. This is a Termination of Pregnancy Act of 1996. So once again, check out our law series and look at one of our first articles and it speaks about TOPs, what the laws say about termination of pregnancy. When can you have it? Where can you have it? Who can perform it? Um, and just familiarize yourself with what is going on and what those laws are. You never know. One day you might need to give advice to somebody about it. One day you may need the advice um, about TOP options. So there's a, a varying range of why this information is um, of value to anybody, whether you are female or a male, this is relevant for you. And then finally, one person said they know that we have the rights to sexual and reproductive health education. Power to that person, power to that person. Um, so yes, and then our question 12 was, what are your thoughts regarding reproductive and sexual health education? Is it an overkill topic or a relevant chat? So you had two options and our participants, oh, by glory, did not disappoint and honestly gave us the positive feedback we were looking for, which was it's a relevant chat. It isn't an overkill. 100% of the participants said it is a relevant chat. And we were very pleased to see that because it emphasized and vindicated that our cause and our mission is relevant. People are still looking to have this conversation. It is not a redundant one. It is not an overkill. It is not one that will ever expire, but a continuum of education. And then winding down finally to our last question, we asked the question that please explain why you say that sexual and reproductive health is a relevant chat. And we came across five main topics and they are endless education, maturity, mistakes slash regrets, prejudice slash stigma, and finally disease and unwanted pregnancies. Those were the five big topics. And I'm just going to briefly read some of the quotes from anonymous participants, what they said and what their responses were. So the first one under endless education, someone wrote, back in the day when HIV pandemic was at its height, sexual education was in everyone's mind. Everyone in South Africa was aware of sexual education. They seemed to be a decrease in this education, especially in the media. A lot of knowledge gaps about things that one would regard as basic are still there. So, and I, and I, I thought this point was very valid, that same applies even with the coronavirus pandemic. 
when something is popular and something's in the spotlight, we all rush to educate ourselves about it. We all rush to adhere to certain things about it and, you know, ever changing. And, and it's true. You know, the world lives on what's relevant and what's needed. And money is made off of relevance. So clearly now, because we are all familiar with HIV, you know, some of us even still classified as or have started to classify it as part of the chronic illnesses. Um, sexual education has sort of taken a step back. But truth and stats have shown us and continue to show us that young people are still the highest to be part of the group of newly diagnosed HIV positive patients, which shows us that there is something that's not going right. Either in our sexual education, Young people are either ignorant, reckless, or feel that they have no access to protective gear. And therefore, it is still relevant for us to have endless education so that our stats can show something different in the next years to come. So we really appreciated this comment. Now, moving right along to maturity. This was the second big topic. And Anonymous wrote, ladies and men should understand that sex can only be positive when you have maturity. Some people may not agree to this. Some people may agree. My personal opinion, I do agree. Because with maturity, there comes a sense of understanding. With maturity, there comes a sense of also being willing to bear consequences that come with engaging in sex. So definitely maturity is a big part. Um, and just to remind you of what are these to all these topics talking about is responding to why is sexual and reproductive health still a relevant conversation. The third big topic was mistakes slash regrets. And this is what two participants wrote. It's relevant because many teenagers aren't fully aware of consequences and what goes into sex. A lot of the time, people are pressured into it when they're not ready and later regret it. Another participant wrote, it is relevant because the phase is inevitable. So one should prepare those yet to go through the stage to have an idea of what to expect when the time comes so not to make regrettable life-changing decisions due to lack of knowledge. Preach it, preach it, preach it, preach it. I think this is our biggest aim whenever we think of our cause, that there is no need for there to be teenage pregnancy in South Africa, no need for there to be a teenager or anyone being infected by HIV unknowingly or recklessly or haphazardly, you know. This is very important and we appreciate such feedback because it shows that people are aware of this and constantly thinking about it, that there are a lot of young people who are making life-changing decisions, um, you know, in a split of a moment because of lack of knowledge. And this is sad that this is still there in this day and time. Our fourth big topic was prejudice slash stigma. And this is what one anonymous participant said. Sexuality as a whole is made to is made to feel like it's something inferior to kids, whereas it is definitely something that is always around them. Sexuality is in the air. We are deprived 
of knowledge of sexuality and being sexual from a young age. I believe from my experience with sexuality and being sexual and sexualized, I can say that young people need to be taught about consent, their genitals, how they are different to the opposite sex, rape, molestation, masturbation, and contraceptives, and the effects on you as a person. Children need to know they need to be taught not protection from information. Once again, on the ball, that was on, spot on, spot on, spot on, that there tends to be a, a stigma around sexual education, and especially people tend to think it is only a conversation to be had with adults, children don't understand. And I think what was interesting here is how Anonymous pointed out that children are surrounded by a lot of sexual content and are surrounded by a lot of social um, sexual themes. And this is in the music videos we watch, in the clothing we wear, in advertising that you see. You know, we are all exposed to all these things earlier than what previous generations were. And I, if I remember correctly, Wishabami wrote an article about this in the beginning, especially the teen zone article, about how sex and sexualization is everywhere. It is something that you'll come across. And it is something that we need to be aware of that it is also a natural process of life. And therefore, it won't ever be hidden, never in any generation. And maybe to make a silly example, even biblically, you can see sexual themes coming across. And that was back, back, back way then, you know? So you can't run away from these themes because they are part of the process of life. So it is important for children to be let in the loop. The degrees of how you teach your children definitely will vary from your 30-year-old to your 12-year-old. Nevertheless, the theme and the conversation needs to start happening. Just this past weekend, um, one of my brothers, he's six, and my mom and myself and my sister were talking about something, and literally, I don't know what we were talking about, and then he asked us, what, what is a gay or what is gay? And we had to now have the conversation. You know, the initial response was, Gay means to be happy, which it does. But now, what else does gay mean? And the conversation of what is homosexuality. So he's six years old. And already, that is a theme and a conversation we need to start having with him. Um, he won't understand all the big terms. He won't understand all the big words, etc. But just the basics, you know, just the basics that he needs to know and be informed. And over time with his curiosity, the more he asks, the more he inquires and the more understanding he has, the more you need to engage and entertain these conversations um, to a healthy level where a child can understand. Finally, our last big theme was disease and unwanted pregnancies. An anonymous, two anonymous participants wrote, it's a relevant chat because with no knowledge about this, teenagers and young adults can easily get pregnant. Hence South Africa's teenage pregnancy statistics, which is not looking good. People need to be taught about this to avoid certain mistakes. Um, the final one was because when looking at stats for teenage pregnancy and the increase in the spread of HIV, it's scary. So the more people know about it, the less stats they'll be. And I get that. It's not only about the stats and our numbers looking bad, but it's about the concept of understanding that once again, I think it was one of the themes you spoke about now in this question, is it was with regret um, and mistakes. 
that disease prevention, unwanted pregnancies, those are why we continue to have a conversation, the endless education about sexual health and reproductive health. Because it is unnecessary, it is not necessary for anyone to have unwanted pregnancy, especially when you have the preventative methods. And not to say we are we are prejudiced or we are judging people who had children that they didn't want um, or, you know, um, who might have fallen into the spectrum of contracting an STI, um, you know, over time. But to say that it's, it's not, you know, the mistakes and the lessons need to be learned and they can't be recurrent themes in our generation and even the generations to come. We need to do better. So on that note, um, I think we've covered <clears throat> all the questions that were in the survey. And once again, I just would like to thank everybody who participated. Um, it really was a privilege for us to get this knowledge and insight and for people taking the time to, you know, to answer, to respond, um, to give some thoughtful ideas. There were some people who had chances and probably just wrote, I don't know, I don't know, to other questions. Thank you for adding to the numbers as well. But <laughs> I mean, next time, make it a fruitful, um, a fruitful activity for yourself. Try and engage, think about things um, and grow. And before I miss this, there was a final question that we asked and it was, what do you think your community needs and when approaching sexual and reproductive health? What do you think your community needs? And we put this into a cloud bubble and this is what people's feedback was saying. And the biggest word that popped out the most was education, sexual health education. And this is what people feel the communities need to do. People need to talk about sexual health education as much as they talk about other things on a daily basis. This shouldn't be something that we shy away from, but we need to be open, transparent about it. Be thorough, give accurate information and make sure that people have access to things that can make them safe. And one of the things that also popped out was that people need to also learn to not be judgmental when young people come and want to tackle such conversations. Um, and I pray on that note and hope that many of you have learned a lot from this um, exercise. And, you know, even with those who participated, that there was much that you gained from thinking about these questions and responding to them. And um, so overall, from the Ubu Shabami team, we are truly thankful because you really helped us to see what is needed for our next content um, and content building um, for our site and moving forward in terms of other programs and dreams we have to enhance and to strengthen sexual and reproductive health in South Africa. So thank you so much um, for taking a listen at this and thank you so much for always sharing our content, listening to it. We really appreciate all the support um, and do share and continue to support us as best as you can. Take care. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, as well as our website at wushabami.com.